I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Happy New Year! 2018 is here. I hope it started out as good for you as it has for me and for Talk is Jericho. Because we are celebrating the new year with a new podcast home at the famous, the legendary Westwood One. Now this is our first official show here on the new platform. And as a thank you to all of you for supporting Talk is Jericho for the last four years, we're doing this show commercial free. That's right. New year, new podcast home, and no commercials for this special episode. And you'll be able to find Talk is Jericho in a lot of new places as well now. We're working hard to get it into the Google Play Store. should be there uh, soon if it's not there already. We're also working with TuneIn. And in a few days, you'll be able to say, Alexa, play Talk is Jericho. That's right. Alexa is going to have the show. And, of course, you've got the TuneIn app on your phone. You can listen to that way as well. And we're already on Podbean for the Android. And we're still on Apple Podcasts. So hit us up there and leave us a five-star rating and review. I love hearing from you guys. I'm really excited about all the new places you'll be able to hear Talk is Jericho. Even more excited about what's happening tomorrow, Alpha versus Omega at the Tokyo Dome. I'm looking out the window at the Tokyo Dome right now as I'm here in Tokyo, Japan. I spent my new year uh, over the ocean on a plane. Is it the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean? I don't know. Uh, over some ocean on a plane uh, flying to Tokyo. I wanted to get in. I wanted to be uh, uh, full of vim and vigor, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on January 4th. So here I am talking to you live from Japan, uh, ready to take on Kenny Omega, Alpha versus Omega at the Tokyo Dome, January 4th. You don't want to miss this match. You'll be able to see it live by subscribing to New Japan World. Go to newjapanworld.com. Uh, the show is going to start, I believe, at about 2 a.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. Pacific Time, and everywhere else in between. So you don't want to miss this. It's 999 yen, uh, which translates to about 9 bucks. Uh, that's worthwhile if you want to see Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. If there's one wrestling show you watch this year, this is the one you want to watch. Wrestle Kingdom 12, live at the Tokyo Dome. 
Alpha versus Omega. Subscribe now to NewJapanWorld.com. It's going to cost you about nine bucks to see this show. And to get you ready for what's sure to be one of the biggest wrestling events of the year, I've got Don Callis, color announcer, color commentator for New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course, co-host for Killing the Town on the Jericho Network, here today to talk about how this historic match, the Alpha versus Omega, came to be. Don was instrumental in making this happen. You'll hear his side of the story, my side of the story, and how all things culminated in this main event match happening tomorrow at Wrestle Kingdom 12. So without further ado, and with no commercials, let's start the Wrestle Kingdom 12 preview right here on Talk is Jericho with Don Callis. Let's do it. So uh, here in, uh, in Tokyo, uh, in Japan, obviously. As opposed to <laughs> Tokyo. Tokyo, Saskatchewan. <laughs> With uh, with Don Callis, I think you've been on this show more than anybody now at this point. I I hope that's the case. Maybe more. I think more than Miz What's, had the who's record. Who's the guy for who was like? Uh, is it Alec Baldwin that holds the record on SNL? Yeah, like most it, it, it might be Hanks. I I aspire to that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's 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 really cool because here we are. Why don't you sit over in the couch there and let me sit over here? I'll move this chair over. Jesus Christ. This is great. I'm fucking still sore from you stiffing me and you're making me move. <laughs> um, but it's exciting because we're here. Ow. Um, Don Callis hurt uh, and old. Yeah. Both things. Pathetic. But we're getting ready for the big uh, Wrestle Kingdom show, which is in a couple days. And uh, we're obviously taping this earlier. And it's the big Alpha versus Omega, uh, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho match that really got some great buzz and some great press. And. Um, and it's just interesting because it basically all started with you. Mm. What, what kind of tell us the whole genesis of this? So, you know, I like to try to, I like to think that I think outside the box. And, um, you know, I'd been here, this was last June, so I'd been here four months and kind of, had, you know, found my confidence, I guess, as a color guy. Well, why don't we go back a little bit more and actually tell a story about how you got the color? Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so... Because uh, I don't know if you're allowed to tell this story on your podcast because of the whole hilariousness of it, but let's go go back to it. So I guess we go back to two things. So it's funny that, like, you've asked me a few times in different ven- venues whether coming in for your 25th anniversary started all this. At Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. and it's a leading question, and the obvious answer is yes, but then I also always say, well, sort of no, because... What it did was make me realize how much I missed, like you and Lenny, because I'd always, I was always talking to Lance anyway, and uh, it definitely led to the podcast because I think it opened us up to that. Lance called me yesterday, and he goes, "Huh, it's funny that Chris always mentions that when he goes, the real reason you're back in the business because I told you to get the WWE Network so that we could talk about it when you call and rant to me." So of course, <laughs> Lance is awesome. So uh, okay, so. But so uh, did the podcast. So, and my thing with the podcast was not in any way, shape, or form to get back in the business. It was just like, this sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. At that point, I'm already like calling Lance and healing on him about stuff that I see on TV. Why? Why do they book it like this? Blah blah blah. So it's like, ah, I could monetize some of my wrestling knowledge, such as it is, and my ability to talk and communicate and, and make a couple of bucks. And, you know, I was like, oh, maybe Jericho will fly us in once a year for a corporate retreat or something. It'll be (laughs) hilarious, right? So we're doing that. And then uh, Kenny Omega, who I had used Kenny when he was like 17 or 18 in Winnipeg. And I remember seeing Kenny and thinking to myself, the kid's got something at that point. I used to always say he moved like Muda. 
because mm. it's like that frenetic, like zero to a hundred in two seconds, right? My thing with Kenny though at the time was that it was like he was like a lot of guys in Winnipeg. It's like I would talk to him because I saw something in him, try to give him advice, and it's like just seemed like was in one ear out the other, right? Nice seventeen. I was a dumbass when I was seventeen, right? Right. And I remember that I did try to help him, even though I thought he was sort of a dumb kid, right? Which we all were. And I remember I booked him for Scott Demore out in Windsor. And I told him, I'm like, look, Demore's in TNA. You could maybe get into this Team Canada thing he's doing. Ultimately, that spot went to Johnny Devine. I said, I got you booked for Scott. I put him over to Scott, and he no-showed. Now, there's various versions of this story. One is what he told me, which was a guy named Ruffy Silverstein screwed him on the booking, and he missed a shot because of that. Scott tells me that Kenny blamed me for not showing up. <laughs> Kid's smart even at 17, switch the heat. And uh, anyway, but I remember Kenny calling me because he's like, yeah, I missed the booking. And I remember healing on him, not healing like yelling at him, but I was just like, you know what? You're a talented kid, but there's a lot of talented people. You need to be a businessman, handle your business. Like I was fairly stern with him. And I never talked to him again after that, which mm. didn't surprise me because I'm like, I oh, probably didn't take it very well. And then in 2005 or 2006, I get a call out of the blue. And it's Kenny. O hey, Don, it's Kenny Omega. I'm like, oh, wow. I haven't talked to you in three years. Okay, what's up? Well, would you come and do the eulogy at my uncle's funeral? Your uncle's funeral? He's like, yeah, well, my uncle's the Golden Sheik. So the Golden Sheik was a local wrestler in Winnipeg who had had a big role in training me because although I trained under Tony, Tony never got in the ring. It was the Sheik who was in the he ring with me. He took the bumps, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, the Sheik was your uncle? I'm like, why didn't the Sheik ever tell me this, that he had a nephew who wanted to get in the business? Because I would have taken, of course, a much greater interest in Kenny to pay back the Sheik. And, uh, and I'm like, why didn't you ever tell me this, right? So no one told me this. So I went and spoke at the funeral and it was like, cool, but I never heard from Kenny again. Now I'm doing Killing the Town and we just started in October, so you know I had to get a Twitter account, which I never had. And uh, all of a sudden, I get a, a direct message from Kenny Omega Man X. Um, and I had heard like through Meltzer and stuff that Kenny was doing really good in Japan. I was happy right. about that. I get this message going, is this the same Don Callis from Winnipeg who did ECW, blah, 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 from Kenny Omega Man X? And I'm like, is this the actual Kenny Omega? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> So now you and I had planned to do something over Christmas with, I think, just the two of us, a podcast when you were in town, Winnipeg. Now I know this is coming up. So I remember I sent him and said, oh, I said, okay, favorite time, Rockstar. I'm like, I want you on Killing the Town, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then I talked to you and you're like, well, why don't we do a podcast with the three of us? And then, right. So I said, okay, well, Jericho wants to do a podcast too. So we'll do both. And he's like, okay, cool. So I remember we didn't have a place to do it, so I had to call yeah. Joe Aiello, who got us a room at the Canad Inns on Pemina <laughs> to do this thing. I hadn't seen Kenny in years, and we did the podcast, and it was really cool. And I just remember, like, at the end of this podcast, which was a good podcast, good guest, um, I jokingly said as we're signing off on your show, I said to Kenny, all right, well, good luck in Japan. Get me booked, kid. I remember that. I was joking, yeah. of course, right? Because I'm thinking wrestling, mm -hmm. right? And he, and Kenny, who 
who can be very serious and like kind of not necessarily joke around. He'll joke around, but not. He was like, well, I already did try to get you booked. <laughs> but he says it in a way that it's like, it's not like if you said it to me, I'd like laugh, right? Right. I'm like, what? What? He's like, yes, I tried to get you booked as the color commentator for the Tokyo Dome. Now, I knew Carino was leaving. Right. Who was the color guy. For and he Japan. wanted to make it like a special thing because it's Kenny Omega in the yeah, main event. Because they had come to him, I later found out, and said they had this great idea. They came to Kenny Omega, by God, and they told him, we're going to bring in Bret Hart mm-hmm. to be the color guy for your match. And Kenny being Kenny, because I wouldn't have handled it this way, went, well, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> He's like, well, what, what do you mean? What's wrong with that? You know, and, and Kenny's like, well, I have no connection with Bret Hart. Right. right. Bret Hart has no connection with the company, blah, blah, blah. And Kenny pitched me to, I think, Tiger Hattori, who I'm sure went, who in the hell is Don Callis? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I just said, oh, wow, I can't believe like you did that for me. Thanks a lot. Hey, if anything comes up, let me know. I'm probably available, right? But not thinking anything would come up. Two weeks later, our boy Lance calls me and goes, yes, did New Japan call you? And I'm like, why would New Japan call me? Well, they called me, and I got the impression they were looking for you, so I gave them your number. I'm like, oh. I'm like, holy crap, this is real. I might be getting this gig. And uh, then Lance calls me like a half hour later, and he tells me that they've offered him the job as the color commentator, which (laughs) you're laughing because we know Lance, and it's like... The furthest thing from his yeah. forte, from what he's known for, he's right? Be a color commentator. Yeah, and I'm like, what? So I'm like, you know, I don't want to bury my friend, but I'm like, okay. So like, I call Omega and I go. Omega goes, did they call you? Because he knew, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, but they called Lance and he has the job now. And Kenny went nuts. He's like, what the f? Blah blah blah. So anyway, talk about just like, like typical Japanese confusion. Yeah. So so what it was was. I guess Kenny had said, because they didn't know who Don Callis was, why would they? And Kenny had said, well, he has a podcast on the Jericho Network with Lance Storm. And Tiger goes, oh, Lance Storm, I know him, good Calgary boy. Because these guys, even though Winnipeg is for sure the wrestling capital of the world at, at this, this moment, point, for sure. these guys are marks for Calgary from like the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh, good Calgary boy, Lance Storm, worked for war, blah, blah, blah. So they just somehow that got transposed into Lance getting offered this job. Now, the best part about Lance is that Lance actually thought this was a job he could do really well. And maybe he would have. He would have done it differently than me, right? So I'm like, oh, so I'm just like, I'm not going to bury Lance. But I just told Kenny, I'm like, this is what happened. He went nuts. So finally, I get a phone call from Rocky Romero going, uh, yeah, we made sort of we made a mistake. This is what happened. Are you interested in the job? And I'm like, well you're putting me in an awkward position because Lance is my friend for 27 years. I love the guy. We have a business together. I'm like, I can't take the job and screw Lance, even though he, even though it was a mistake. And, uh, he goes, Oh, well, Lance is very busy with his school, which is true. We would have been hard for Lance to do this. And he goes, we're still going to bring Lance in for like to, to like guest lecture or dojo, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh wow. He'd be awesome at that. That'd be great for your business. Which They still haven't yet. They have not. (laughs) But Lance also hasn't pushed it at all. So, I mean, that's on him a little bit, right? Because Lance is so bloody busy with his school that I think when he does that free time, he likes to have his free time. 
So anyway, so yes. You, you were so hot at that. You text me like, let's know what just oh, happened. Oh, I was livid. They offered last. Like, I was like, what? Well, I was like, I was like, this is why I said to you. I go, this is why I go to the wrestling right, business, right, right, right. right? It's like stuff happens that makes no sense. It's not a meritocracy. It, decisions are not made. Great word. Best person. Thing. Boom. Uh, we're over <laughs> the Easter bunny kid. <laughs> On his day. Boom. Yeah. Uh, so uh, shout out to Conan. But uh so, yeah, it was just like, this is, you know, because I had thought, like, because now here's the other thing. Originally, they told me, like, so I have a weekly deal here. Originally, Rocky made a mistake, and Rocky told me it was a nightly. So I'm doing the math, and I'm going, I'm going to make about 100 grand this year off this as a part-time job. So I'm also dealing with that when I'm hearing Lance is stealing this job from me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And, of course, you're, you know, you're sympathetic to me. But you, you're also, like, I'm sure thinking, like, well, I have a podcast. Like, you're like, well, you know, Lance, blah, blah, blah. And I just said to you, I said, I cannot do this podcast if he accepts this job. <laughs> right. I you're cannot so continue. I'm so mad. So, um, but I also don't want to bury my friends. So I'm like, no, no, but I, the, the point is, it's it's... You know it's so obvious that they made a mistake. And, Clearly. And, and and Lance being Lance is like, well, I don't think they did. I mean, why wouldn't they want me to do it? You know? And and, and you're that which drives you nuts. Yeah. And that was the whole issue. So and I was like, uh, I got this hit podcast that might be over before it even started yeah. <laughs> because New Japan screwed up their yeah. English. Yeah. And that's basically what it was. So yeah. um so it worked out great though, and like uh I remember I didn't say to Lance, God bless him, I love the guy. I didn't say to him like yeah, they made a huge mistake. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Not I too. called them and I said, they told me that you're too busy with your school, so they're going to let me do it. Right. Right. Because right. I'm, I'm a gracious guy, <laughs> yeah. Chris. You know? So anyway, but, I, but honestly, I don't think Lance could have done it with the schedule I kept this year. I don't think Lance could have done it with a school. Right, because you're flying over here monthly and basically coming Sometimes over. Sometimes twice a month. Three days, four days. Four I, days. I had I had a I had a couple of twelve day runs here where I mm-hmm. sat in a hotel in Tokyo for eight days, friggin' uh, lost in translation time. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, great movie, but uh, you know Lance could not have done it with his right. schedule. Right. He would have screwed up his school. So um, it all worked out great, and I got over here and took me about th- I knew nothing about the product. Took me about three months. And when I was up to speed, and then after four months, I was just quite simply the best guy in the business. <laughs> so, so now I'm in the mode where I'm like, I want to help Kenny, and now I'm getting inside Kenny's head a little bit and going, "Man, what's good for Kenny? Like, I need to be looking out for this guy as I feel loyalty for to him, especially because of his uncle." So I'm like, "What can Kenny do with the dome? Like, it's like he's wrestled Okada. At that point, he'd had the 60 minute broad with Okada. It's like." Yeah, he can win the belt, but I don't think they're going to do that, and I don't even know that that's the biggest thing he could do. And I start thinking about this Winnipeg stuff, because on the podcast, I had started this thing last November. I remember I was in Mexico, and I came up with this idea that Calgary, I'm like, Jericho, Omega, Piper, and I threw myself in there for heat, you know? (laughs) I'm like, what has Calgary got? And this was like one of our big podcast angles. So I'm thinking, this Winnipeg thing, well, wow, Jericho versus Omega. Fuck that, it'd be great. But even me knowing you as well as I do, I just thought this is unlikely to ever happen because you had told me multiple times I'll never work for anyone but Vince in some form or fashion. You had told me that. But I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to pitch it. So I was sitting in my hotel, in this hotel, Tokyo Dome Hotel. I think we did a WhatsApp call or whatever. And I said, hey, what do you, what do you think about 
you and Omega at the Tokyo Dome, Winnipeg versus Winnipeg, blah, 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 thinking fully that you would say, don't be a mark. I'm never working for anyone that Vince. I've told you this, blah, blah, blah. But it was kind of like this silence on the other end of the phone, and I could tell that you were thinking about it and then that you were intrigued by it. So I'm like, holy shit, you're, he's into it. And, and you're like, well, talk to Kenny. Well, from my perspective, when you, when you said that, it was just like the perfect timing because my deal was up with Vance. I had no intention of really wrestling because we got so much Fozzy stuff and all the other stuff. But I thought for a one-off against Kenny Omega, that's really interesting to me. And to me, at this stage of the game, I don't do anything unless I'm interested. You know? And I thought, like, wow, like, it's almost, you know, it's a dream match, but it could be the only time this could ever happen because last year I was under contract with Vince. Next year, Kenny might be under contract. I don't know. Yeah. And the idea of the match happening in Tokyo was the real thing for me because if this match happened at Wrestlemania it'd be great but there's something like myth- mythical and magical yeah. about it being at the Tokyo Dome when you always love Japan yeah. I mean and and I would even say that you know I mean you you obviously had you not done the thing with WCW and Vince you could have stayed here and you could have been Kenny Omega yeah right yeah, yeah. but you didn't you did mm. your own thing and not to say there's regrets but in my mind as I'm pitching this to you I'm going this is the main event friggin Tokyo yeah. Dome for New Japan you never got to do that because you left right yeah I mean I worked the Tokyo Dome in 98 or 97 98 but you didn't headline it no and I didn't even it was kind of a disaster so super Liger super Liger yeah. there you go um so even that the concept of like it was a very seemed like a very Lesnar thing like just show up and do one yeah. show in the top position uh yeah. you know in the company so I called Kenny and I know Kenny a lot better now we're a lot closer but I didn't know like Maybe this guy, I'm thinking to myself, God bless him, maybe he's like a mark and be like, oh, I'm not working a WWE guy, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I'm, you know, blah, blah. He popped. He's like, oh, my God, can that happen? Mm. And I'm like, well, I just talked to Chris. Chris is into it, which is, to me, the biggest hurdle. So now, in my mind, we've got both of you into it. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's the hurdles now. While you're not under contract events, I recognize and would respect the relationship. And I'm like, in some form or fashion, he's got to talk to Vince. And if that goes poorly, then that's going to be a problem, right? Secondly, New Japan, not Kenny, New Japan has to recognize what this is. Because I very clearly saw this as this is the biggest friggin' match in wrestling. Doesn't matter what Vince does at Mania. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest thing in wrestling. You throw everything into what we talked about. The two guys from friggin' Winnipeg, you know? It's awesome. It's the biggest thing. But New Japan has to recognize that it's a big thing sure, they for have them. To push this. Because Chris Jericho is not coming here for three grand or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not. So it's like, okay, well, I hope they recognize this. I don't actually know that, right? And that was the other hurdle. But then by that point, I was just like, okay, well, that's you and your people. And and you figure that part of it out. I, I think so. When was, was it Kenny that spoke to Gato? Kenny it? talked to Gato, yeah. Right. So there's so many things that I have to point out here. And I've done press for the match all day. So I've got it down. But there's so many, um, you know, different moving parts that, that made this appealing to me. And that made it work. One. You're the guy who's, who sparked it, yeah. known you for 25 years. Here you are in a position as the you know commentator. Now you're actually you know running Impact Wrestling, but 
those things mean a lot to me. Like 25 years later, here we are in the freaking Tokyo Dome. It's a great narrative. Talking about a match that you had an idea for that's headlining the damn thing. Then uh, Kenny Omega himself, fellow Winnipegger, you know, a guy who grew up in Japan just like I did. Uh, He speaks perfect Japanese. He lives in Japan. He's an honorary Japanese you know, person and, and the Japanese fans know this and respect him because of it. I can read Japanese and I can I can write katakana, and a lot of fans know that. So they, I'm not as honorary Japanese as Candy, but it's not like I'm just some dude that's yeah. been here. So I think I've been here almost sixty times at this point. So there's that. Then on top of that, you get Gato and Jado to an extent that are the bookers here that are running the company that I first met in 1993 in Mexico City when they were so poor I had to buy them a hot dog. And then we became a big... Real sport. Yeah. <laughs> Could have got them a steak, kid. They, did, they ordered a hot dog. Yeah. I didn't just yeah. say, here's a hot dog. Uh, and then we were a heel faction here in the 90s for WAR with Fuyuki. What was that called? Fuyuki-gun, Team No Respect. That's what you're called, Team No Respect. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. actually a cool name. Yeah, it's classic kind of weird Japanese English, yeah. right? But so now they're running the show. And then Gato tells me that his dream was to have Chris Jericho come work for New Japan. So there's uh, all of these things. That stars are all, in alignment. Yeah, stars in alignment, exactly. So I thought that was really, really cool when it all started rolling, you know? Yeah, and it's neat. And I mean, for me, it's like it takes a lot for me to get excited about stuff with wrestling, mm-hmm. frankly, especially today's day and age. And I'm not knocking anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm deep into the business, as you said. But it's like it takes a lot to surprise me. It takes a lot to. It's like I don't go to a lot of comedy shows and I don't watch a lot of sitcoms because it takes a lot to pop me, mm-hmm. right? So it's like it takes a lot to get me going. This has me like excited, marking out. It's so friggin' cool, and the execution has been so great as a follow-up that it's really, like, it's intoxicating. Yeah, and and, and it, it takes a lot to get us to pop because we've been doing this for you know, 27 years or whatever it is. And for me, too, like, if I went back to the WWE tomorrow, A, I'm not going to be in the main event of WrestleMania because that's all set in stone. I mean, there's always a chance, but the chances are I'm not. Yeah. I know where I'm going to be slotted. I know who I'm going to be working with, and that's all fine, but there's no real... I mean, unless it's a match against Lesnar or maybe a Strowman or like, there's really nobody that I haven't worked a thousand times. So that's another one. I've never been in the ring with Kenny Omega, and it's the main event of the Tokyo Dome. And to me, at this point, that's that's that excites me more than any other match that I could have. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, when when if you do go back to Vince, it's like you've you've done a great job of recreating yourself, mm-hmm. the Madonna thing or whatever you want to call it. It's like. I've often wondered how many times can you do it. Mm-hmm. I wondered it the last time you went back, and I said to you, like, are you trying to turn yourself heel with what you're doing? Because I hope that's the case. Because if it's not, you've lost it now. Rudy, Rudy, Tootie, <laughs> Booty. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So it's like if when you go back, this doesn't hurt that. This makes you a oh, much yeah. edgier, bigger star. Like I think so it puts me in a whole different plane. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and that's like that's that's the Especially thing. Especially with the numbers. Well, there you go, and then also too, like we're talking about a dream match and a huge match. To me, the biggest matches Vince had were uh, Strowman and Lesnar, which he did already, yep. and Cena and Reigns, which he did already. Yep. So besides Cena, Undertaker. Which is a huge match, but I think this one is bigger. I think it has more of a buzz, at least at this point. So 
that's appealing because it puts me right on on the top of the list, you know, uh, all across the board. And the execution has been so great, but so basic. I mean, mm. what did you guys like? What did you do? It's like you attacked him, you you beat him up, you left him laying. He yep. made a comeback. You guys had the press conference, which could have been right out of Memphis. Well, and, and don't forget the blood too. That's the a blood. big thing. Yeah, you know, and it's like. And it was like, for me, it's like almost like fanboy now, like watching this. Because, yeah, on one level, you're like, these are two guys who, like, I have totally different relationships with you and Kenny, mm-hmm. right? You and I hang out. We do our thing. I don't really hang out with Kenny. I don't know that anyone hangs mm-hmm. out with Kenny. Mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes described Kenny as like, Kenny's, some people are dogs and some people are cats. Dogs love you right away. And it's like, you know cats take a while to kind of get used to you and they figure it out on their own terms and he's like kenny's a cat and it's a very it's very different right yeah, yeah. but it's like so cool for me because it's like i have this you know you, you kind of come up with this idea and it's your friends and it's like and then you watch it and it's like holy cow this is so friggin' cool and the fact that you know you guys were gracious enough to allow me to be a part of it uh whether it was you know you know, chatting on the phone about kicking around ideas. That's right. Yeah, we had, we had a group call. With yeah, the you included us. me in that, which was cool. And it's like you know, you come up with these ideas that are basic ideas together, and it's like then you see it. It's mm. like, oh my god, it's so perfect. It's like when he when when you guys were in the ring and you you had him fire back up on you, and it works so perfectly because I mean he's so good. Mm-hmm. Your timing's perfect. And the people are like going mental; they're losing it, and then you take it away from mm, them. It's so, like, oh, this is so great! That's such a little, you know, WWE trick. Yeah. Of rather than just having the beat down, we'll have to fight back a little bit first, you know, oh. and then you get a little bit of emotion in there. Um, it, it reminds me of of uh, I, when I first started hanging out with Eli Roth, and he was telling me his vision for this movie that he had in his mind called Hostel. And he explained it to me. I remember sitting in his old house uh, talking about the whole concept of the movie in about 10 minutes. And then even the scene, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but where the Japanese chick, her eye falls out. And then it, two years later, to see the movie on screen yeah. after hearing about yeah, it was yeah. like, this is just the way that you envisioned it. And yeah. this is the same with us, just the way we envisioned it. You know? And the fact that, like for me, and I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of chats with both of you guys independently, right? And again, relationships are very different. Mm-hmm. And I think some of my chats with Kenny have been more about kind of just and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound prescriptive like I'm giving him advice cuz I wouldn't presume to, but kind of my thing with Kenny is almost like cuz he gets very excited, kind of calming it calming the situation down. And I remember saying to Kenny like You've been carrying guys, and I don't mean that negatively, but you've been you've been carrying this company on your back, you and Okada, for five years, whatever it is. You've been you've been calling all the shots, you've been leading everything. Now sit back and let Chris lead you. Mm. Because how I said, how many times do you have an opportunity at this point, Kenny Omega, as as a guy who physically in the ring is the best guy in the world, I would say, with you sitting right in front of me. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's shown he's the best. How many times do you get a chance to learn mm. anymore? Mm. Wow, this is great. And I've said to you, like, just broadly in the business, when you retire, how many guys are there left that work multiple places? The literal last Zero. Of the dying breed. You're yeah. the last. Yeah. It's like, wh- who's passing that knowledge on? So Kenny's got a great opportunity. 
to do something totally different. He can have five-star matches. He's had, Christ, he must have had 10 of them. I've called them all this year. Mm. He can have them with it. And I said, Kenny, it starts to lose its value. Now, if you don't have the six-star match, oh, it was only four and three quarters. He's He's losing losing it now. You know, Christ, I never had a two and three quarters match. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's so cool for him, and it it's it allows him to do something that you know he doesn't get to do as much. And so, from a career development path, wherever Kenny Omega's career arc takes him, I think this is a pivotal moment for Mm -hmm. him. And it's like, and I've said to him. Don't just learn about in-ring from Chris. Learn about the outside projects and how to handle that stuff, you know? Yeah, well, and, and, and that's something that, that we'll probably get into more once, you know, as I say, we're, we're filming this or, ta- or taping this a couple weeks before the Dome show. But the next trip back, we'll be together. We're going to go yeah. work out everything and talk, and I can probably talk to more then. But the cool thing was once... Kenny spoke to Gato. I got an email from Gato, which is funny because it, it comes in with the Japanese characters. So you see, okay, email from you know Don Callis, and uh, you know what the hell is what is that yeah. Japanese character? And then it's, it's Gato, right? So um, I was doing a book tour in New York City, and I had a signing at uh, in New Jersey at a place called Bookends, and then drove straight into the city, went to my hotel where Gato Sugabayashi, who's the basically the boss chairman. Yeah. chairman uh, Rocky Romero and Tiger Hattori had flown in from Japan yeah. for this. And that's when I knew they were serious because usually... That's 20K right there. It's easy. And yeah. usually, like, every time in the past, like I said, I've been in Japan, excuse me, many times, you'll get a call from the, the English liaison or, or, you know, oh, I'm, my name's Kenji yeah. and I'm calling for... When they flew four guys yeah. to New York City, that's when I'm like, they're serious about this. Sure. And that's what I like when we, we were we were hanging out and just kind of going over some ideas and thoughts. I said, well, first of all, this, like you said, I'm not coming over for three thousand dollars because I have to go to Vince McMahon <laughs> and tell him yeah. what I'm doing. And he might tell me to go to hell. I never want to talk to you again. I don't know. So if I'm going to do that, I have to a have an offer in the back of my head that's worth it and b be able to tell him with all confidence this offer is can't miss. There's risk involved for you in going to Vince. Completely. Yeah. But I have to because I'm not going to blindside him with it um, out of respect and out of loyalty as well, you yeah. know. And then it took a while to, to do the deal because, it, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, they, they call Lance to do the color job instead of you. A little bit backwards sometimes yeah. in the way they think, you know. As a matter of fact, their first offer to me, I made more doing that spoken word show with Joe Allo <laughs> and you guys opening. Yeah. Then, then that was it. I said, "Are you?" I said, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how it all started. And I remember hearing about that from you and being so mad. Yeah, because I'm like, like we're two months into this now, and I'm like, these guys are. Don't they see what this is? It's yeah. like you're 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 gonna make more than this just on ticket sales, incremental ticket sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember talking to to your manager Barry Bloom, who has you know kind of my unofficial and unpaid agent. Uh, <laughs> once I actually get a, some sort of a gig somewhere, mm-hmm. we'll all picture Barry gets looked after. But <laughs> Barry's like, I he goes, I can't believe the stuff Chris tells you. He's like, but yeah, this is unbelievable. And like, so I'm getting like, oh, God, like we're so close. And, like, and Kenny too. Yeah. So how, what's Kenny up? Was hot. I'm like, dude, this is what's going on. He's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, and once again, I've been in the business for years, as you, I understand, but there's also a little bit of like, are you guys, like, are you f- serious? Like, no, 
We're done. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You know? And and because easy to get offended. Yes. And you would have been right to be offended. You were right to be offended. But I remember Kenny, because at one point I remember there was some very small issue that wasn't tons of money, but it was like after everything had been sorted out, this yes. bullshit issue. And Kenny said to me, he goes, I'm just going to tell them to take it out of my pay. <laughs> you know, because that's how much he wanted it. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, you know, like we're talking about all the, all the, the back ass words, things that happened. And, and one of the best ones was, um, and this is probably the one where Kenny was going to pay it. They, they, we were now we're down to the wire. The deal is being made. Everything is good. And they came back and said that I had to pay my own trans, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Right. Yeah. Like in wrestling, you know, um, there's certain times when you have to pay your own trans, like the cruise, for example. <laughs> but <laughs> tremendous. That's just how it goes. But uh, the, in wrestling, you do not have to pay your own trans. No. And that was actually a part of the, the, what they wanted. And I was like, how ridiculously stupid is yeah. that? Yeah. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But once the deal was finally made, and it's a great deal, everyone was happy. Yeah. Uh, New Japan went through TV Asahi to get the you know the extra stuff in there that they need to get. Uh, which then shows me how much they understand because they have to go to their boss. Yeah. So then I have to make the call to Vince. And we had a, we were on tour with Fozzie and we had a um, VIP meet and greet. And it's every day at 4 o'clock. And I text Vince earlier in the day and said, hey, hey boss, you know, what are you doing? Can you have some time to talk? And he's like, yes, at 4 o'clock. Okay. Guys, we have to wait on the VIP. It was in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania with Wilkes-Barre. 4 o'clock, I call him. He doesn't answer. Of course not. Of course, the classic events, right? In control. Then he calls me. I am like shitting my pants. Like I feel like my dad's calling me mm -hmm. after I wrecked the car or something, you know? Answer the phone. A couple bad jokes to kick it off. And I tell him, listen, there's this guy called Kenny Omega. I got a call. I got a call from New Japan. There's a guy called Kenny Omega, Winnipeg guy, uh, really great performer. Mm -hmm. They want me to work there. Um, their Tokyo Dome match against them, Tokyo Dome show. And it was not a long call. And it was right from the start. He's like, he goes, oh, you have to do it. Absolutely. He's like, he goes, this is great. He goes, it's great for, for you. It's great for me. He goes, everyone knows you're a WWE guy. You know, you're flying the flag there anyways. It's going to be like, here comes Chris Jericho of the WWE to face the top guy in Japan. Yep. He goes, and I said, well, it's, and it's, it's better for me when I come back. It puts me in a different level when I come back. He yep. goes, absolutely. And, um... I told him a little bit about the deal that I got. He's like, oh, that's great. Good stuff. Congratulations. And he's like, yep, do it. Um, he said the only thing is when, when, because um, I told him a little bit what the plan was going to be. He said, when, when it's about to happen, just buzz me so I know. And that was it. Three minutes and 22 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really cool that Vince that reacted that cool. way. Yeah. You know, because I think he understands that it's just good for the business as a whole. Well, and and he's smart because it it really is like you get past any kind of petty like you know, this is so wrong in wrestling now the way all all promotions tend to think is like this is my thing blah 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 it's like Vince sees the big picture right like you say when you come back this this is a whole different thing for you mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and potentially for other guys who are there that get to work with you and get the rub off whatever you've done here mm -hmm. so. You know, it's like you always want the girl or the guy that is unattainable and what whatever. It's like, so you going to New Japan, even though he's very well aware of your value, it does change that dynamic a little bit. It's like, yeah, you can go wherever you want mm -hmm. and you can do this, right? So yeah. it's, you're almost even more in demand. Right. 
That's what Jesse Ventura told me years ago. He's like, if you want Vince to want you, prove to him that you don't need him. Yeah. Because, because make make it outside of the WWE, and you can write your own ticket. And yeah. That really is the truth. And it's interesting, too, when we had that kind of meeting in the hotel room in New York. It was very dark, too. It's a place called the Royalton. Shout out to the Royalton. It's my favorite place in New York City. And it's very dark and gangster-like. Uh, and right then is when I came up with the whole angle. I said, I'll start with some text messages back and forth. And then uh, we'll do a video, play it. And then I'll come. I'll, I'll beat them up at some point beforehand, get some color. And then we'll do the match. That's basically once again this is the way that it happened. Yep. You know, which was funny too because the texts happened at first, and everyone was like, "What the hell is going on with these text messages?" You know, like why would Jericho be talking down to Kenny Omega like that? And what did I do the first time? I, I spelled his name wrong or something? Ha. Yeah, you tagged the wrong Kenny Omega, so <laughs> it was like this. So I knew the text was coming at some point. I didn't know when, but I mean, obviously, follow you on Twitter. So this text comes out, and it's like blah 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 unimpressed or whatever you said and then overrated it's, it's like you know it's like at it's like at kenny omega and i'm like at kenny omega x yeah and i'm like i i remember i i think i tried to text you and i'm like i better phone him so yeah. i called you and you like called me right back and you're like what's up and i'm like did you intentionally misspell his twitter handle <laughs> and i and i thought you must have because it was sort of a dismissive thing to right, do, right, right? Right, right. i don't even know his twitter handle <laughs> <laughs> and it was like but it was clear right away from your reaction that it wasn't intentional and i'm like oh my god this is <laughs> and then i was gonna erase it like i can't i have to leave it the way it is now. yeah you know and it's funny because um i was like well how how am i gonna get this to start because i was talking to kenny it's like i'll get I'll get somebody I know to, to, to plant a tweet. So yeah. I, I got a friend in Vegas, another Winnipegger, once again. Yeah. Winnipeg rules. His name is Jeff. Solo Cup Jeff, because he's always drinking out of a Solo Cup, which I told you the night. And I said, I want you to tweet this at 11.30 tonight. And I was like, wow, I just watched Wrestle Kingdom, or whatever. I watched uh, Dominion. Yeah. And Kenny Omega really is the I forget I am Jericho. Kenny Omega really is the best in the world. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know, best Kenny Omega's not the best in the world. He's the best from Winnipeg. But that was a planted tweet yeah. that just happened I respond to that I got my friend Jeff to, to tweet. Yeah. And, and it's cool, too. Like, it's like, again, I mean, I, I'm a half a mark. So it's like the the line of not even the best from Winnipeg I pitched to you guys on our phone call when we were doing the creative, and it's right. like, so now you didn't tell me you were going to use it. Now you use it. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I was yeah, like yeah. so happy, and it's like, and then you 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 got the name wrong, and I'm like, and I go, this was brilliant. He did it intentionally, <laughs> and then when it was clear you didn't, I'm like, but just leave it because it's so ignorant. Right. Like you don't even know, <laughs> right. and, and, it, and it feeds into the thing you were doing in WWE where you're getting the announcer's name wrong mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's like so dismissive, so like you said. dismissive. Yeah. So either way, great. You know, and, and and even when we did the 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 video that I filmed in LA, actually about a month before it aired, um, where I said that you know. I've heard so many guys have claimed to be the best in the world, from Shawn Michaels to CM Punk to Edge. They're all gone, and I'm still here. I remember I said that to you on the phone when yeah. we were talking, maybe. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, you got to use that. Oh, that's such you a know? great. Yeah. Because it's true, and it's like I've said to many people, you're the Brett Favre of wrestling. And I know you're not a big football guy, but it's like Brett Favre was the Iron Man. He never missed a game. And it's like... And and I, and you know what? It was a line you used on Edge in New York one time that I thought was great, like... You get hurt, I win titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's so overbearing and true that it's like, 
you got to use that. It's so great, you know. That's when Vince, uh, I was doing the thing with Edge for WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to do a go home promo, and I wrote it, and then Vince Reddy goes, "Chris, this is, this is terrible." Like, what do you mean? Because you're saying the same thing over and over. And he goes, "I want you to talk about DNA." I was like, "What? Talk about DNA? What do you mean? I don't know. You tell me." Oh. I'm like, "What the hell is he talking about?" So. um what he was getting at is that my DNA was much stronger than Edge's because Edge gets hurt all the time and I don't. He, I had superior DNA. Yeah. And I, you know, that's where I came up with that. You know, you get hurt, I win titles. And I remember I came back and he goes, "This is what I'm talking about." Which, if I'm Edge and I'm hearing those lines, <laughs> I'd be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> well, he would just walk in there and you know talk about DNA, but I don't want to give you any more, yeah. you know, yeah, feedback yeah, yeah. other than that, right? But I mean, and that so so. Once everything is said and done, and all these cool things, and like the, the the general surprise of this match being announced was so cool because I was in England, which the time change I think it yeah. really was close to the morning, and I was I was on the road. You stay up late, and I was just trying to stay up till like six in the morning, and I fell asleep about an hour before that. But when I woke up, man, there was a hundred texts. Yeah, it was such a shock. Yeah, and I remember we talked on the phone that night, right? Because I had just left the show in Osaka, where and of course I don't generally sleep when i'm here mm-hmm. uh, i was in my you know you know 85 square foot uh hotel room in osaka <laughs> and uh you were like how was it and i'm like oh my god it was friggin incredible because the air went out of the arena mm-hmm. when 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 it came on because the shock factor mm-hmm. right and it and for me it's fun too because i had from the minute i started here i was omega's guy i was omega's bobby heenan on commentary and I was always playing the Winnipeg card. And I had made references to, you know, Piper, Jericho, Omega. And then once we had this conversation, before we knew the deal was done, I was trying very subtly. I Like, I, I had a thing where I did a slip where I said, you know, Winnipeg's a wrestling capital. Don Callis, Roddy Piper, you know, um, um, Kenny Omega. I even mentioned Rosemary from, from Impact because <laughs> she's from Winnipeg. And Kevin Kelly, who wasn't in on what I was doing, goes like, "Aren't you missing someone?" I'm like, "I don't think so." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, it, and it's and then I, I did a promo in L.A. when we did our pregame show, and I, you know, because he was like winding me up about Omega, and I'm like, "Kenny Omega's the he's not just the greatest wrestler; he's the greatest wrestler from Winnipeg. He's better than Piper. He's better than Jericho. He's better than whatever." And it's like little Easter eggs for people to go back and go like. Yeah, he did say that, you know, because mm-hmm. for me, and it's not, it's very much, a, you know, I'm the Ralph Malf to, to, to the Fonz and Richie Cunningham in this. <laughs> I love Donnie most. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, but it's like the other little underneath storyline is like, I've known you for 27 years. People know we're in business together. We do all our stuff. But then Kenny Omega is my friggin' meal ticket. Mm-hmm. And I've portrayed myself that way. Where do I fall on this spectrum? How do I decide, okay, I've got this business relationship, but then I'm leeching off this poor kid who, you know, trying yeah. to, you know. So it's just such a cool little storyline that way, too. And it's like, you know, Winnipeg mania for mm-hmm. one night. It's, mm-hmm. it's the Manitoba Dome. Oh, yeah, you know, it, it really is. is. And in classic Winnipeg Incredible. fashion, nobody in Winnipeg has called us for any <laughs> interviews whatsoever. Yeah. But it worked out, too, when we did the angle uh, in Fukuoka where I attacked Kenny from behind. Got him, you know, got color on him, bladed him, and then you come in the ring. And we had discussed this way beforehand. Well, maybe you should come in. Maybe I should do something to you, Don. And it's great because uh, you took a nice bump off the code breaker, and I think that was your first bump in 14 years. (laughs) 
I like to bump once every 14 years, whether it's required or not. You're like the Haley's Comet of bumps. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about when you when you first come to Japan, and like you mentioned, it took you three or four tours to get into it. What did you notice? Like, what's the what's your flow here that's different if you're commentating in the states? It's easy and one. It's easy and it's hard. Mm. It's hard because I didn't know anybody here. So that was hard, and the, and the Japanese names and all that stuff, it's hard. And the, the fans are hypercritical. Oh, did you hear what he said about Yano, or he didn't know this, or whatever. Like So I was up against that, and I didn't really have anyone giving me the information or coaching other than Kenny. I was trying to do it all myself. But it's also really easy, because it's not hard. I don't have to feign excitement when I'm calling Omega Okada, you know? That's organic. It's easy. Mm. It's a lot harder to call a product that's not hot and try to turn it into something and do the narrative, right? So um, so it's been kind of both sides, I guess, of the same coin. What's hard about it, though, is like sometimes it's like the shows are four hours. Yeah. And it's like I had to learn. I remember asking you your advice about how to maintain my voice because at the G1, I was so excited I'm calling, and I hate announcers who do this, I called the opening match with the young boys like it was WrestleMania 3, oh, right, 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 right. Hogan-Andre. And by the by the main event, I did not have a voice left. I couldn't talk. Kevin had to do the rest of it. Mm. And that actually scared me because I'm like, wow, what if I've got a problem with my vocal cords and I can't do this? So, it, And I don't, but it's just like I had to learn to pace myself. It's like, okay, forget about saving my voice. Why am I yelling and screaming in an opening match? Even if it's great, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, it has to build like a match, Pace like yourself, a card yeah. or whatever. And so, so that part's hard. And then the other thing is like, I drink a lot of water to try to stay hydrated. So like when there's when we have shows, sometimes I don't know why they do this. Like no intermission. It's like, okay, I'm not I'm not wearing a diaper or a urine bag. <laughs> so like, so I'll just go like uh, I'll do the middle of the broadcast. I'll say to Kevin Kelly, huh? Ah, I gotta go. I gotta go give Omega some tips, and I'll just like walk off the set <laughs> and blame Kenny. It's great. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite guys that you would like to call their matches? My favorite, my favorite guy here, and I mean, I okay, Kenny, but Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's so. I have like a I have like a schoolboy crush on Tanahashi. <laughs> he's so cool. It's just like I feel about Tanahashi like I used to feel about Ric Flair. It's just like. I want to be that guy. Like he's so, <laughs> Tanahashi is the only guy in the world who can make the air guitar cool. <laughs> That's he what he does. So, right? so, oh, my game. God. It's like if you described it to someone, you'd go, what? But it's cool, and people go nuts for it. Listen, Kerry Von Erich, who I thought Kerry Von Erich had as much star power and look as anyone who's ever been in this business. Kerry Von Erich, if you watch videos, they're available on YouTube of him walking to the ring and women crying. I saw a video where where women were lining up, and he grabbed one to give them a kiss, and he like literally made out with the chick, yeah. and she like passed out, <laughs> like it Beatles. That's what Carrie Von Eric was. That's Tanahashi. Women bring articles of clothing, and they hand them to him. He wipes the sweat off and gives it back to them, and they're losing their minds. He's a rock star, best hair in the wrestling business, great-looking guy, <laughs> body like Ricky Steamboat. He might be the best worker anywhere of the last 10 years. Wow. He's so great. And it's not because he does a ton of stuff. He he can. 
his timing is impeccable. He's an he's one of the guys, and there's not everyone from Japan can do this. He could he could go, could have gone to Vince five six years ago, mm-hmm. and he could have been the top guy because hmm. he gets U.S. style, like Gato. Right, right, right. He right. loves the U.S. style. He gets it. He knows it's all timing and storytelling. Tanahashi is. There's so many great guys here, right? But he's just the best. He's so friggin' awesome. You know, if he ever had any. Uh, meetings with Vince and all? I don't know. I've never talked to him mm. about that, but it's like, how could you not? Like, because a lot of times I think the Japanese guys, when they've gone there, they're not valued in a way that, like, I mean, famously, sad to say, uh, the people who owned uh, Impact before before Anthem did had Okada, who many think is the best wrestler in the world, um, doing basically a Kato gimmick from like the green hornet like it so bad like yeah. this is i think it was like a vince russo thing or whatever stereotypical bullshit terrible yeah. and then like it's like and i remember hearing stories about like japanese guys like showing up and like like no one at the airport to look after them and stuff like that it's like if if tanahashi came even into a personal appearance for me i would have the biggest limousine <laughs> i'd have the best hotel because he's Tanahashi. Right. And it's not that he expects it. It's what he deserves. You mm-hmm. know, it's the sign of respect. He's the coolest guy. It's like he's a down-to-earth dude, just has a laugh, never complains. He's probably been working with incredible injuries for the last number of years. He's, he's to me, one of, still one of the best guys on the planet. He's so great. Well, let's talk about, uh, about his match and some of the other matches on the Tokyo Dome. I have the card here. So I don't know if it's the full card, but uh, the main event, the uh, other main event is, is uh, Naito versus Okada. Yeah. Now, obviously, Okada is, like, super good, and I've seen a lot of his stuff. I don't really know much about Naito other than he big-leagued me today on the plane. Wasn't uh, wasn't too happy about that. But <laughs> Yeah, that's just wrong. Start my own feud with Naito. Well, if you look... If you look at it, and I'm I don't know anything because I don't talk to Naito because um, I just don't. But uh, you know, Naito, the winner of the G1 typically gets the title shot at the Tokyo Dome. So the G1's in August. Right. Naito won the G1 a couple of years ago, and I guess I gather the office maybe thought that maybe this match is not what we need, so they pulled the fans. And the fans decided that it shouldn't be Naito, it should be Tanahashi. Oh, in the main event? Yeah, so Naito lost the spot. Oh, wow. And that, but it was the best thing that ever happened to him because it led to him becoming kind of like the Shawn Michaels DX of New Japan with Los Ingobernables de Japón. And he's got this irreverent style that's super, super Mm. over. Mm. And he's so good in the ring. He moves a lot like Kurt Henning. He, He actually... He's almost he's so good and so fast. He's almost too good and too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's fantastic. Okada to me is like a kind of a baby face Nick Bockwinkle. He's just he's just pure class. He's really good. Um, so this is a really really intriguing matchup. To me, this is Naito's time. Okada has been the champion for over a year uninterrupted. If they don't do something with Naito now, I don't know where they go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's probably. Okada, because he's the champion, he's very much this Bruno San Martino kind of like straight-laced, whatever. The kid has got a great personality, and he's hilarious in the back. You almost wonder whether some adversity from a storyline perspective where he would to lose the belt and be pissed off about it where it would give him a lot more creative right, freedom. Right, so right. I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens to that man. Um, 
Yeah, and once again, like you know, with the double main event concept, and I think we have our match it kind of cast in a different stone now, or cast in a different uh, light with the beat down with Candy and the press conference. And now it's like this five star, six star, whatever that even means. It's turning to more of like this fight yeah. between us now, you know? Which makes sense. And it's like, it's like I said to Kenny. What, you're going to go have another five-star? You could have a five-star match with Chris. Chris has had them before. Mm -hmm. But you've had ten of those this year. Right. What does that mean? Yeah. Right? So I like the idea of something totally different. And just to put a loop or a bow on the Okada thing, I think think storyline-wise and maybe really... I think Naito has a problem with the double main event idea. It's like, I know, yeah. I've been through all of this. Yeah. They took it away from me. This is my time. And now they do this. Yeah. And they call it a double main event. And it's on the billboard at the Staples Center. It's got to be driving them. Oh, yeah. Front cover of uh, baseball, uh, front cover of the wrestling magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all the focus and everything. But once again, you know, if you're bringing in Jericho for a reason with this, you know, price tag that they paid, it's my job to sell tickets. So yep. if someone's a little butthurt, you know, save it for the ring, kid. Uh, then you talk about Tanahashi. He's working with Jay White. Now, who's Jay White? So Jay White is a guy who's from New Zealand. He's a really talented kid. He trained at the dojo here, so you know, best training in the world. Right. Went over for Ring of Honor and did U.S. Indies on excursion, and uh, you know, just a real, real stud. You know, six two, two thirty, um, real athletic. And uh, so they, he came back with a switchblade gimmick, and he like talked about a rocket. I mean, they brought him back, and he had, he laid out Tanahashi, mm. and now he's wrestling the they call Tanahashi the Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tanahashi is, is the Hulk Hogan, the living legend of New Japan, who can still go, and it's a great spot for Jay White. So we'll see what happens. It's one thing that Gato does really well when he wants to build somebody, he builds them. There's no. Around, Gato's you know? really great. He's a great at a lot of things, but the two things that really impressed me is the, the building part, but then also he's the best in the business at um, he'll put someone on the back burner where you almost forget about them in terms of the title picture, and then, boom, the worlds collide. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. how did I not see this coming? Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, he's real good at that. Uh, then there's a four-way for the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which is uh, Marty Skrull versus Takahashi versus Kushida versus Will Ospreay. That should be pretty good. Oh, I mean, you know, the, there's so many good guys here. There really is. It's, the roster's crazy. It's, it's a crazy roster. And also a lot of foreign guys, too. Yeah, I mean, Marty Skrull has been in the business forever. Another one of these English guys who trained at 12 or 14. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, really talented, Get you know, can work his ass off, but also has the personality. You know, um, Will Ospreay, to me, for my money, he's the best, quote-unquote, junior heavyweight, but he's about 6'1". I mean, yeah, he's, not, he's, he's tall. And he's only 24, so he's going he's gonna to end up being a heavyweight. The great thing about him is that while he can do all that stuff, he's got he's got very good passion and energy. And I think that when he if he gets to a point where he wants to or needs to back off some of that flying stuff, he'll be well positioned to you know to be the next Kenny Omega who can mm. make the, the the transition from junior to heavyweight. And that's what they've had to do over the last few years. I know Kenny at first was junior. They brought him up to heavyweight after AJ left. Well, imagine this, right? Like, they lose all those guys, including AJ, and it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. If that never happens, we never get to see this Kenny Omega. Right. So it really worked out 
great. He, he benefited when it was like this big purge of uh, AJ, Shinsuke, Nakamura, and yep. Gallows and Anderson, which kind of left Kenny there to have to pull up his socks and, and, and like you said, pick up the slack. Um, another one that's interesting to me is Cody versus uh, Cody, Cody versus Obushi. Kota Abushi, yeah. which Abushi, I saw him in WWE, I think he did the cruiserweight thing. But Cody, man, I was watching Cody last night. Like, geez, he was doing stuff I never even knew that he could do. Like, he really has kind of opened up his style. I think Cody's, you know, he's been commended and he's to be commended for, you know, doing what he did. Um, because and it's not about, like, walking away from the money because I'm sure he's fine. But it's like, you're you're going out and sticking your neck out, and you're really betting on yourself. And I think he's done a great to walk away from WWE. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think he's done a great job as kind of the classic heel champion in Ring of Honor. Uh, he's done a great job here. I think the acting ability that I've seen in kind of the being the elite series has been really good. Um, and and Abushi is. People talk about Kenny. Abushi might be the physically most talented wrestler on the planet. Really? Oh, my God. He's just unbelievable. But he's that. You could probably give me a hockey analogy. It's like, you know, you get this guy who's so gifted, but you you kind of like the knock on him is, is he mentally tough enough like is he gonna mm-hmm. is he gonna decide i don't want to do this today and walk away like i don't know is there a hockey guy like that uh, uh adam oates from hall and oates <laughs> no, it was hall and oates yeah. was the guy maybe he's east freely <laughs> there you go yeah. so uh <laughs> you know what i mean like but that but that that's the knock on abushi is he's like you know mentally like what's his state of mind mm-hmm. is he gonna is he gonna fall apart is he right, right. whatever but he, oh my God, he's incredible. I watched him last night. Very, very, like, very bouncy and jumpy, and everything he does has a little bit of a, of a twist and a tail to it. And Tanahashi is clearly taking an interest, and in, I think sees Ibushi on some levels as the heir apparent, which is interesting because you know Okada is only, I think, thirty or thirty-one. Mm. So, uh, so Tana sees it. A lot of people see it. Um, he's an exciting guy. What about uh, speaking of exciting guys, uh, Suzuki versus Goto? And I heard a lot about Suzuki, and he's the guy that you're terrified of. I am absolutely terrified of him, legitimately. And uh, he's got some of the best facials in the whole wrestling business. You know, people think about Japan. Oh, I've got a bunch of high spots, no story. Best storyteller in wrestling is Tanahashi, present company excluded, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And the best facials in wrestling is Minoru Suzuki. Oh my God, he's incredible, and he's he's Bruiser Brody at two hundred pounds. Yeah, he plays like a lunatic. Yeah. Oh, and he and this is a guy who submitted Ken Shamrock twice when Shamrock was in his prime for real in an MMA fight. Guy's an MMA legend. Paul Lazenby trained with him. He every day I always go down. You know how the boys all do their squats and stuff in the ring before. Yeah. I didn't really care about that, but I go down because <laughs> Suzuki's training session is. He gets in there, usually with Desperado, who does some MMA, but oftentimes he'll bring the young lions in, and Suzuki will do a sparring session with them. And, oh, my God, is it tremendously entertaining (laughs) because he's so good. Like, again, beat Shamrock twice. And he will torture young boys and take them down and, like, strategically put an elbow in between the ribs or whatever he does. Old school stuff. Oh my God! And he—he's just a real deal. And but he's such a good worker too. Uh, and he like—you'll see him in the back, and he's got on this like little pork pie Frank Sinatra hat. And it's like, <laughs> my God! Like, but I yeah, I'm petrified. Um, and in fact, in fact, my one injury with New Japan Wrestling 
was not taking the code breaker it was because so the deal was when you did the thing where you jumped kenny uh you were not coming to the building till later you're kayfabing so we didn't have a chance for three of us to sit down and again one of these shows with no intermission so i'm like how do i get back in the middle of the show to talk to you guys about what we're going to do so i'm like okay well suzuki's coming out so i can get suzuki to just shoot me a look and i'll run away so I go and see him, and I, I go, uh, Suzuki-san, uh, please. I said, you know, maybe when you come out, I said, you, you know, just give me the eyes. And I said, I will run away, take a powder. And he starts laughing hysterically, but in this maniacal kind of thing, it actually was very unsettling. So uh, so we did that, and uh, and I jumped over the railing to get away from him. Or I was actually trying to run away from him, but I ran into one of his guys, Lance Hoyt, and so I knew that I'm going to make Lance look bad if I try to go through him. So the only way was to do the Bobby Heenan tumble bump over the railing. The railing looked metal to me. It was actually plastic, so it just <laughs> fell apart, and I separated a rib. So <laughs> clumsy oaf. See, that one bump in 14 years, uh, you get hurt. Yeah, that'll learn me. Do you think that uh, as we wind down here, is there too many titles in uh, New Japan? I counted four uh, heavyweight and one junior last night. I I think there's too many titles in all of wrestling. Yeah, you know, I think in Impact we 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 would do well to get rid of uh, the Grand Championship. I mm-hmm. think people want to see it. I think WWE for sure has too many titles. I think they've lost a lot of value. Just think about when we grew up, what the Intercontinental title. Yeah, had. it was it was like, ooh. Yeah, he's the workers' title. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So I I think the never open weight title. I don't totally get that thing and i wonder about that i wonder why in today's day and age we necessarily have junior heavyweight mm-hmm. uh yes yeah, uh, tag point. champions yeah you know um if you're right were... that's another match on the show with the young bucks versus rapungi 3k for the tag team junior championship yeah and it's like you know but but it, it's hard because you look like like davy boy smith jr and lance hoyt are you know six seven and six five and almost 300 pounds it's like you're going to put them with you know, That's Road Warriors Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, it is. You I know? mean, it, and it could work. It's just it's just counterintuitive, and you have to get outside the traditional box sure. to kind of figure that part of it out. Because it seems to be too like the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title. It's like the same thing in the New York. Well, no, here. Well, he, yeah, yeah. So, so here, the neat thing about the U.S. title is they put it on Kenny. He's the best guy they've got. And so what I've been doing, again, with my Bobby Heenanisms is I've been saying since he beat Okada in the G1, clean in the middle, in under 30 minutes, I've been saying maybe the U.S. title is the real world championship. Right. You know, kind of working that angle. Guys make belts, as you know. Belts don't make the guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, What do you think uh, about this Dome show? you think it's going to be uh, – It's because the, the tickets now are double – of yeah. where they were last year at this time. It seems that New Japan, another thing I was going to say from what Gato was telling about so many foreign guys is they're really trying to grow the New Japan World streaming service. And he thinks one of the reasons that they can do that is having a lot of foreign guys. Um, definitely hotter than it's ever been. You know, I think that if you want to expand into the States and you want to grow New Japan World, um, that was the other thing about bringing you in. You want to expand that universe, this is how you do it. You don't do it just with bringing in foreign guys because, let's face it, Kenny Omega is a huge star, but there's a lot of casual fans that may not know who the hell Kenny Omega is. People know who Chris Jericho is. So the fact that you're a mainstream guy who can actually go, this is the best thing they could do to grow New Japan World. 
better than anything they could do. Right. Right. Well, like I said, it's going to be exciting. And uh, like I said, dude, thanks for your idea and for coming up with it. And uh, we'll see what happens. What do you think is going to be the best match of the show? Wow. That's, I mean, there's a lot of great. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of great matches. Look, Naito and Okada is going to be phenomenal, Mm -hmm. you know, technically speaking. I just don't know. Like, I'll echo Tanahashi. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what the story is. Now, maybe it's enough that the story is that those are two guys who, you know, have been battling for that top position. That'll be great. Um, You know, I I know my favorite match will be you and Kenny because I'm invested in it. (laughs) Right, right. But I also think it's going to be different. Whatever you guys end up doing, I'm sure it'll be different than everything else on the show. Mm -hmm. And and it goes back to, like, Kenny, you're going to have another six-star match with whoever. Like, it's like, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. He's had two six-star matches this year. Mm Mm-hmm. We want to see something different. I, 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 as a fan, want to see Kenny Omega pushed past his limits. I want to see Kenny Omega snap. I want to see the Kenny Omega fall apart and have to put himself back together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see drama. So I think that'll, for me, that'll be the best match on the show. Maybe you can uh, be our agent, kid. Help us out. Uh-huh. Jesus, what does it pay? How many yen? <laughs> Come a long way from Bulldog Bob Brown saying, you'll never make it in Japan with all those high spots. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Bye. All right, there you have it. The entire story about Wrestle Kingdom 12 and the uh, the origin of Alpha versus Omega, Jericho versus Omega at the Tokyo Dome. I'm going to break it all down for you on another upcoming podcast next week. In the meantime, Don Callis and Paul Lazenby are going to be doing a live Killing the Town podcast on the Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, setting sail this coming October 27th. Uh, $150, as little as $150, holds your cabin reservation at chrisjerichocruise.com. Everything is included in the price. All the food, all the activities, all the live podcasts, stand-up comedy shows, meet and greets, concerts, the entire Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament, all that is included in your price for the cabin. Uh, all you got to do is pay for alcohol and gambling. And if you book your cabin by January 15th, you still got a, a, about a week and a half to do that, you'll get a picture of me with the list. I'll even put your name on the list. People are always asking, how do I get on the list? I will do that for you. I'll put your name on the list, but you got to book your cabin before January 15th. Time is running out. Uh, the ship is filling up. You got to do that now, and you'll be able to hang out with me and all the incredible guests, including Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Raven, the Keeping It 100 crew, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, uh, Beyond the Darkness, we tell you some scary tales with Tim and Dave, uh, Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast with Colt Cabana and Marty DeRosa will be there. That's going to be hilarious. Uh, speaking of hilarious, Brad Williams, Ron Funches, Jim Brewer are all going to be doing some comedy. Jim Brewer is loud and rowdy is going to play. A uh, great band that he has. Busted Open Radio, Dave LaGreca and Larry David, uh, sorry, Larry Dallas, Larry, whatever the hell his name is, are going to be there joining the festivities. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons are going to be rocking you. Fozzie, King, uh, the Dave Spivak Project, Spiwi, you've heard him uh, right here on Talk is Jericho. Go check out his new video now, Get Out of My House on YouTube. It's very, very good. Uh, the Cherry Bombs, the Darlings of Rock and Roll, uh, the greatest uh, female ACDC tribute band in the world, Shoot to Thrill. Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy Osbourne uh, tribute band. And, of course, the Coup de Gras, the Pièce de Résistance, Ring of Honor, presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happen. 
happening in the middle of the ocean. We got this uh, the, 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 this ring chained down to the deck, uh, and the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament will get a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. The Young Bucks will be there. Uh, the villain, Marty Skrull. The American Nightmare, Cody. Don't call him Rhodes. Cody's wife, Brandy. Plus the Briscoe Brothers, Dalton Castle. They're all going to be involved in the uh, Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor roster. We've got some more big names coming up over the next few days, next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, don't forget also to check out Season 2 of But I'm Chris Jericho. That's on YouTube or uh, But I'm Chris Jericho.com. Very, very funny stuff. I'm very proud of the second season. And if you enjoyed the first season or have never heard of the show, it is a comedy that I did, a, a new original series for CBC. Very, very funny stuff. So go check that out. Uh, the Painless video for Fozzie is coming up very soon. Uh, so many great things happening. And speaking of great things that are happening now and that have happened in 2017 on Friday, it's the Fab Three. Mike Portnoy, Charlie Benanti from Anthrax, and myself return to recap 2017. It's a best of the year. Movies, music, television, uh, the, 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 the losses that we felt this year with some of the biggest names in music passing away. It's going to be a very fun uh, and, and, and very informative uh, uh, episode, as usual, of Talk is Jericho with the Fab Three. Portnoy and Benante are going to be here. Two of my favorite guests talking about one of my favorite years, 2017. We will see you then. Uh, it's going to be great. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. And don't forget, January 4th. Uh, NewJapanWorld.com NJPWWorld.com Go subscribe now and do not miss Alpha vs. Omega. I guarantee it's going to be one of the best matches you've ever seen. I'm very excited about it and we'll talk about it more on Friday. Talk to you soon. Yeah, boy!